ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Fresh Frozen Southerner podcast. My name is Jay. I hope all is well. I am coming to you from the great outdoors today. I'm inside my RV slash home slash recording studio. And Mother Nature is not cooperating. We've got a thunderstorm coming through, so you may hear some thunder in the background. You may hear the rain hitting the roof because about five minutes ago, it was really coming down. I wish this would come through about midnight tonight because there is nothing more relaxing than laying in a camper and listening to the rain hit the roof. The only bad thing about that is you only get to enjoy it for about two minutes because you are out. It, you go to sleep so fast when you're sitting there listening to that. It is so relaxing. Hopefully we'll have another one come through tonight and I can enjoy that. We're just going to have to wait and see. Probably probably not because that's not the way it usually works out. Uh, but the reason there was no episode last week is me and my family took our annual summer vacation. Uh, we went down to Lancaster, which is not very far from here, but uh, we have started a tradition where we're going with my sister and her family. And last year we went to the Smoky Mountains, which was about 11 hour drive, and we actually passed their house about halfway through that drive. So she said that she wanted to go somewhere where it was a little closer to us. As it turns out, it's less than two hours for us to drive. So it was a very close vacation. It was kind of an odd feeling to be in the car that short of a time and go on vacation. But another kind of odd thing about it is when we go to the Smokies or if we go to the beach, it, it seems like we go to really touristy areas where there's all kinds of stuff to do. And particularly when we go to the Smokies, we're always on the go. We're always getting in the car to go do something. And I like going to the beach. I love going to the Smokies. But it's a very hectic week. We don't really get to rest any. Going to Lancaster, while it is a touristy area, it's just a much slower, calmer vibe about it. And it was a very relaxing week. The The house that we rented had a pool in it so the kids could play in the pool. They didn't want to go do something all the time. They were content to just hang out at the house and spend time with the cousins. It was a very nice week. I do have some thoughts on the Amish, though, because uh, I saw some things I was really not expecting. Before I get started into this, please understand I know next to nothing about the Amish people or their culture or their religious practices. So a lot of these thoughts are born out of ignorance. But I just I saw Amish people doing things that just do not feel very Amish to me. Uh, number one, my brother-in-law went to a gun store while he was there, and he said pretty much everybody else in that very busy store was a Mennonite. He said apparently Mennonites really, really like firearms. Part of me says, well, that would make sense. They're farmers. Farms need to have guns, and they probably hunt. But I don't know that there's a lot of hunting land around there. It's You get to driving around these back roads, it's all farmland. And most farmers don't like people hunting on their property unless they're hunting on their own property. But these farms are pretty close together. These aren't these huge, sprawling, 200-acre farms where you'll see a farmhouse and you'll drive a mile down the road and then there's another farmhouse. These farms are pretty close together. So I don't know if there's just a stronger gun culture with the Amish than I was expecting or and maybe it's a religious thing. I, I don't know. But you would not have thought that the Amish are gun nuts, but apparently they are because they are purchasing a lot of handguns and a lot of rifles. And he said they're looking at modern rifles, too. They weren't looking at bolt action rifles like you'd have seen at the turn of the century. They were looking at AR-15s and stuff like that. So that caught me a little off guard. And people that are around the Amish people more than I am, maybe there's maybe there's an explanation for that that I'm not aware of. Again, I know next to nothing about the Amish. But that's just not something that I would expect the Amish to really participate in. 
Another thing that really struck me as odd while we were down there, and this was kind of a, a big one in my mind, is their relationship with technology. Now, I understand that in religions, a lot of times there are different sects that have varying degrees of strictness toward the dictates of their religion, uh, sort of like a, a Jewish family versus a Hasidic Jewish family. And I'm sure there are sects of Judaism that I haven't even heard of, and they practice very different styles within that same religion. And it is the same with uh, Protestantism. You, you've got you'll see Baptist churches, but then there's regular Baptist churches and then there's primitive Baptist churches. And and while they're sort of along the same thread, they do things very differently. And I'm sure it's different or no different with the Amish. In fact, I know it is uh, because in Virginia and I don't know what the actual name for this group of Mennonites is. I had always heard them called Dunkards. I don't know if that's what they call themselves or if that's just a colloquialism for these people, but uh, they, they're they Mennonites, and they dress just like you think an Amish would. You know, the men wear the black slacks and the button-up shirt and the suspenders, and the women all wear those uh, very old-fashioned cut floor-length dresses. A lot of times it's flowery print. They wear the little bonnet over their hair. Uh, but I actually worked with, not directly with, but they worked for the same company. We were not in the same division. Uh, but there were two Dunkard women that worked in an office that I worked at years ago. And if you looked at them, you would have thought, well, that's, that's an Amish, but you know, they worked, they had a regular nine to five office job. They drove cars. Now they can't, you never see one driving a canary yellow car. Their cars are always very muted colors, like a beige or a gray. I think that their cars, you know, if they could not go completely without a radio, it would just have the AM radio in it. Uh, they didn't go in for a lot of the bells and whistles. They very basic car, but they would. They drove cars. They had regular jobs, but they looked exactly like you would picture an Amish. They dressed very conservatively in in that old fashioned Mennonite dress. The men have the beards, but like I say, it's very I don't know Amish light. I guess you would call it. But just riding around Lancaster, and we actually weren't staying in Lancaster. We were in intercourse, so you can imagine all the middle school jokes that were going on in that house. But you would drive past one house and you would see children outside mowing the yard and they would have the old school drum push mower where it's not motorized. The wheels turn the blades to cut the grass. And then you drive past the next house and there'd be Amish kids out there and they'd have a weed whacker and a craftsman push mower. Now, whether these are different sacks or just personal preference for technology, I don't know. Now, I know that they can use, you know, we always say, well, they don't have electric lights. No, they have electric lights at their house. They use electricity. Uh, they're supposed to use it sparingly. Um, they can ride in cars. You can give an Amish person a ride if they're walking down the road, but they're not allowed to own a vehicle. They're not supposed to operate the vehicle, but they can ride in a car. One of the stories I love telling is I worked with a gentleman years ago. And in the area I was in, the town next to where I lived, there was an Amish community for years and years. They're not there any longer. They couldn't purchase any more farmland where they were at to, to give to their children. So they, they packed up, and I'm assuming they moved back to, to the Lancaster area. But I don't know where they went, but they left the area I was in. Uh, but this gentleman had had a new roof put on his house, and it was an Amish family that did roofing that did the work on his house. Now, he said they did a fantastic job. They were very reasonable. They got it done super fast. But he said when they were working, it was he got it done in the spring, but it was unusually hot at that time. And he went out and he asked the guys when they started on the first day, he said, I've got some drinks in here. I don't know what you guys are allowed to have. I'll go to the store and get whatever you'd like to have. 
you know, just what, what do you guys like to drink? And he said, the guy told him, well, we're supposed to stay away from anything with sugar or caffeine, anything stimulants. But if that's all you have, we can drink it, you know, but if, if that's all you have, you know, a soda pop's fine. But in, you know, in other words, the guy was saying, we really want a Coca-Cola, but we're not going to come right out and ask you for a Coca-Cola. So he said that he went down to the store and he bought uh, Cokes, Sprites, Mountain Dews. And he said those Amish guys went through that cooler like a pack of hyenas falling on a wounded antelope. So the rules are not as strict as our culture makes it seem like it would be. But I did see some things that just seemed a little off. Now, when you're sitting in Lancaster, and this was one of the nicest things about this vacation, I'd never really thought about it, but when you were sitting out on the porch and one of the little horse and buggies would go by, that is the most soothing sound imaginable. I even, I got to the point where I wouldn't even look up to watch them go by. I just liked listening to that clip, clop, clip, clop of the horse going down the street. It was so relaxing and quaint and comforting. It, it, it might be something in our collective conscious. I don't know, because we've used horses for thousands of years and maybe that just that noise is becoming ingrained in our dna but that was such a nice piece of the ambiance of being in lancaster but they all had the little buggies and they're exactly what you see on tv just a little square bodied four-person buggy sometimes you'd see it with a little cab and then a small like a truck bed on the back and it's enclosed they've got a windshield windshield wipers now i've known for years that they had headlights on them they have turn signals which i'm sure they have to have those to be street legal to drive on the road but even that kind of caught me off guard the first time i saw it because you know i'm thinking how are they charging the battery for that buggy but but again they they do use electricity for certain things but there are some things going on now that i really can't explain number one all those buggies right at the front of the buggy there is a flap that hangs down and almost touches the concrete now i'm assuming that is in rainy weather or if they're on a dirt road that keeps the horse's hooves from throwing dirt and road grime and water up onto the underside of the carriage maybe that's got a different purpose i i really don't i'm not up to speed on wagon technology but just looking at it that's the only thing i could think of that that plate serves a purpose for it's just it hangs right down in the front right behind where the horse is walking And I saw several Amish buggies that had chrome trim on the bottom of that plate. Now I'm looking at it and it it actually, it looked good. I like a little bit of chrome on a black vehicle. That just does not feel very piously Amish to me. I'm sure I'm being a little too judgmental. It's a little chrome strip on your wagon, but that just felt out of place. And going back to using electricity, we were driving around And I passed an Amish kid. He looked like he was about nine, maybe 10 years old. He was riding a hoverboard in his front yard. You know, one of the little two-wheel elect, you you charge the battery up and you stand on it. And I've got questions for that kid. That really seems, and and I know he's a kid, and I hate to tell somebody not to enjoy their childhood, but an Amish kid riding a hoverboard, that just almost felt like a joke. Like Like you see these practical joke shows, they're doing it just to see how people around them will react. And I know I sound like I'm being judgmental. I'm really not. Live your life however you want to. But just trust me, if you see a child dressed like it's 1780, barefoot, riding one of the most modern toys you can imagine, it's jarring. Your brain takes a little while to put these two pieces of information together. It, it, it really it, It's like you have a, a struggle to figure out what it is you're looking at when you see that. 
And if you think seeing that will blow your mind, wait until one of the horse and buggies goes by at night where they've got LED accent lights underneath the buggy like a like a teenage street racer puts on his Honda Accord. That will really catch you off guard. And believe me, that is something I saw more than once. That was not just one devil-may-care rogue Amish guy. I saw several buggies riding around with those LED lights on the bottom. And it wasn't just white lights. I, I saw a couple that had blue. I think it was different wagons. It might have been the same one. I saw white. I, I saw one that had yellow on it. I did not see any red. But you know, maybe the Amish are just kind of relaxing their traditions and sort of you know, being pulled into the 20th century, whether they want to go there or not. Or like I said, it's probably just families that, you know, they're Amish, but they don't really strictly follow the dogma of the culture. Again, I don't really know. These are just some things I saw over the week and had some thoughts on. Uh, It was a very nice vacation. If you have the opportunity, Please visit Lancaster. Uh, The land is absolutely beautiful. Those farms are all so well maintained. And it looks like a a picture out out of a storybook when you're looking out over these just perfectly manicured fields and their barns and their houses are all in such good states of repair. It's really beautiful. Uh, the food's great there. A lot of these restaurants, they get stuff from the local farm, so everything's fresh. Really a good time. And there's some stuff there. If you've got children, there's plenty to do with the kids. Uh, definitely put that on your list of places you need to visit if you have not been there. It's a lot of fun. You will enjoy it. Trust me. And since we're on a farm theme show, I've got one more thing I want to talk to you real quick about it. And I am seeing this more and more. I don't know where this comes from because I've just started seeing this in the last couple of months. The stuff where people are posting on Facebook and Twitter, and I'm hearing people in interviews and stuff saying this, that you food should be free. I don't know where this is coming from. I think I have not seen the new Doctor Strange movie. I think there's a scene where they're in another universe and the lady's talking about food should be free. It's free here. Nobody has to pay for food. I don't know if that's where that's coming from or if it's just coincidence that all this stuff started at the same time. And I apologize if this makes me sound cruel, but food should not be free for the simple fact that food is not free. Food does not just appear. The only way you can get free food is if you have the time and the energy and the effort and the know-how to raise your own food, hunt for your own food, or raise livestock. And even then, it's not free. You're going to pay a lot of money, and it is a huge amount of work to take a plot of land from just a field to a productive crop growing farm or to raise animals. You are going to earn every bite of food that you get off of that land. And I know that's not what these people are talking about. They're saying that you should just be able to go and get food and have dinner for yourself. And I know these people are communists. They probably don't call themselves communists, but that's exactly what they're talking about. It's communism. Well, there's a problem with that too. And these people's beliefs, they never make any logical sense. Nobody sits down and thinks about just how diametrically opposed the crap that they believe is to each other. Because the communists are always talking about the worker. You know, the workers create wealth. You know, the worker is the most important part of the economy. You know, the worker is king. Everything's about the worker. But now you're saying food should be free. So you're saying that the labor of the worker is worth nothing to you. Because somebody had to grow that food. Somebody had to slaughter that food. Somebody had to prepare it and put it on a plate and set it in front of your ungrateful ass 
but you think that they should not be paid for any of that time or effort or energy. How do you reconcile those two things in one brain? How can you think like, well, I know they're not thinking, they're just feeling. And the feeling is, is I wish I didn't have to pay for shit at the grocery store. But you have to understand that food is not free. There's time, there's materials, there's labor, there's distribution. There, all this stuff costs money. And you have to deal with reality on reality's terms. It's like these are the same people that are always talking about undocumented workers. You know, they should not be deported. We should leave them alone. And they're always talking about, don't you care about these people? How can you be so cruel? But then at some point, they'll also say, well, if we get rid of them all, you know, your your vegetables are going to go up three, four dollars a piece. And I always stop and I think, wait, do you care about the undocumented workers or do you just not want the cost of your cob salad to go up for lunchtime? Do you care about the workers or do you just want to exploit them so you can get cheaper food? Because you're kind of sending mixed signals at this point. Of course, they never stop to consider because, again, there is no logical thought in these in these people's ideology. They just believe and that's the end of it. You have to think about the things you believe. If they don't make sense, there's usually a reason. And I keep hearing these people when anybody pushes back on the comments on whatever social media I see these posts on. They always start in this war society. We're supposed to be taking care of each other. You know, that's that's how we all supposed to work together and get along. And if you would ever like to see somebody just absolutely lose their mind instantly, the next time you see somebody post that nonsense, I want you to just go to the comments and just say, just out of curiosity, how many people did you make lunch for today? And that person will go ballistic. And I've said this before, I've got a lot of friends on Facebook that are all the time posting about, you know, homeless people, poverty, all this stuff. I never see those people post about going down to the soup kitchen on Saturday and volunteering to serve meals. I never see those people post about volunteering with Habitat for Humanity to help frame a house. People like this, you know, they want to be seen as these very caring, generous, altruistic people, but they don't want to do any of the hard work. And that is the insidious allure of Facebook, because you can post this garbage on Facebook and it feels satisfying. You feel like you've done something, which all you've done is type a few words and hit enter. And that is the fundamental flaw with communism, because everybody sits around and says, this is terrible. This is a horrible situation. Somebody other than me should do something about it. And when everybody's saying that, nothing gets done. All right, guys, that's about all I've got for you today. This was just a quick episode to check back in, let you know I'm still alive. Uh, next episode, we're going to do the next couple of parts of Thomas Paine's Common Sense. I don't think we'll get all the way through it. I think there's probably enough material I'm going to want to talk about to do at least two more episodes. Uh, but we will get back into that at the next episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know there wasn't a lot of meat on the bone there, but if you did enjoy it, I would certainly appreciate a like and a comment. Uh, give me a subscription. That's always greatly appreciated. And as always, I appreciate you sitting with me this long. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your week. I will talk to you very soon and have a good one. Thank you very much.